Now, for those of you who may be still counting, I just want to share some, some data with you this morning. We're 357 days away from Christmas. All right? Just wanted you to know. But let me break it down for you a little bit. 51 weeks away. 8,568 hours away from Christmas. Minutes, you ready? 514,080 minutes away from Christmas. Just in case you were counting. I wanted to be sure you knew. Well, it's a wonderful time for us to come into a new year and actually for a minute take a look back and uh, look at a, a previous year and ask questions like what went well, uh, maybe what didn't go so well, uh, what were the lessons that we learned. It's a chance for us to reflect back on the things that we've moved through because it really is important from time to time to look back, isn't it, and learn from what we've moved through. New Year's Day, though, is also an opportunity for us to look forward and uh, to look ahead in anticipation uh, of what the Lord might have for us here in 2022. It really is a good analogy for us this morning as we look forward and back uh, to what we're doing around the Lord's table this morning as we participate together. And it's a part of the picture here is that we look backward and to our past, and we remember again the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. He died the death that we died. He died to cover our sin. We trust in this and live by faith in this, don't we? Uh, in the finished work of the cross. But there's another picture to this as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, we're reminded of these words, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's a looking forward. Uh, this morning as Glenn and I were praying together, I thought, Lord, maybe you will come this year. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. So the other half is that whenever we participate in the Lord's Supper, we also are looking forward with eyes of faith and proclaiming his death until he returns. So those are the two pictures this morning, looking back and looking forward, that I would like for us to have bookend our time together. So in one act this morning, we look back on the previous year, and we look ahead to the new year. Whenever we participate in the Lord's table, we're doing several things. We're exercising faith. Faith in the one who died on the cross and whom we read about in God's word and whom we embrace by faith as our Savior. He was and is the Savior, servant, King. The one who humbly washed the feet of the disciples, the one who died on the cross at the hands of sinners. But we also exercise faith in the return of Christ where He will be our reigning King and He will set all wrongs right and wipe away every tear from our eyes. Hallelujah looking forward to that day. Our faith sometimes can be a little messy, can it? I think we can all agree to that. It can be fuzzy at moments, maybe times when we're doubting. It can be a bit out of focus, but there is a day coming, though, when we will see Jesus face to face. And when that day comes, with it will come perfection. The imperfect will disappear. Until that day, though, we continue to look back to the past and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking the penalty for my sin. 
Thank you for rising again and completing that great plan of redemption for me and for you. But we also look forward to the future and say, hallelujah, what a Savior. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, as we eagerly await uh, the time of his return. So let's continue now in, in our time together and sing about that, about this Jesus that paid it all for us. We're reminded to bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. In the 1600s, there was a young gifted preacher whose name was Andrew Gray. He lived to only be 20 years old and had a 27-month ministry in a church. It was said of him that there was never in the history of Scotland a young man that made the kind of mark he made on people and on Scotland in such a short period of time. Several weeks ago, as I was preparing for our morning together here, I, I came across one of his sermons that, that pointed out six benefits that believers receive from Christ's death and from knowing him. And so following his outline this morning and some of his thoughts, I want us to take a look at these six things as we're gathered around the Lord's table. And we look back and we look forward to some of the benefits that we enjoy in Christ. And then allow them to hopefully shape our thinking as we go into another week and into a new year. Number one, enjoying justification. Being declared righteous. Those of us who have studied the scriptures for a long time are familiar with this term justification. It's a judicial kind of term where we see uh, a judge taking the gavel and banging it down and saying, declared not guilty or righteous. Christ's death is the evidence of our justification, the cause of our sanctification, and the guarantee of our glorification. This hope secures our eternal and complete victory, and it ought to make us sing in triumph over the death that has been conquered. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, we remember these words, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O sting, or death is your sting? His resurrection, Christ's resurrection, is the pillar, a great pillar of justifying faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5. Enjoying justification, one of the benefits of knowing our Savior and one of the benefits of his death, burial, and resurrection. Number two, enjoying Christ's love. Believing in the sufferings of Christ should lead us in a comprehensive way to bring our souls under the constraining power of Christ's love. In 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we hear these words, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. There really is a kind of sweet constraint to the love of Christ, isn't there? 
It lays hold on us, and it lays hold on our understanding. It lays hold on our lives and our affections, the things that we do, the things that we think. Christ's love constrains a Christian's understanding so that they think and believe Christ alone is excellent. Christ's love compels their soul and makes them burn within out of love to enjoy the person they love and by whom they are loved. So enjoying justification, enjoying Christ's love. Thirdly, enjoying communion with Christ. Christ's death is a strong argument to embrace and welcome Christ into our lives. And it should stir us up to that kind of duty in our lives. Since Christ has died and is now risen again, will you allow the reality to persuade you to love him and commune with him? 1 John 1, 3, we read these words, we, what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, we're reminded that God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the first three, justification, enjoying that, understanding what it means to be declared righteous and living in such a way, enjoying the the love of Christ and allowing that to constrain us to love him and to, to love others, and enjoying communion with him because he's made it possible for us through what we are celebrating this morning. So we want to continue with some singing, and we're going to sing about the power of the cross. And while we're doing that, we want you to make your way to the tables that are around the room. Our our deacons are going to make their way right now to those, and they're going to help you with those. And as soon as we start singing, make your way up, pick up the elements, and take them back to your seat. And uh, when we're done with the singing, we'll continue. Let's sing together. such a great time for us together as believers and just to remember all that we have in Christ and we've been discussing some of the benefits that we enjoy as a result of, of knowing Christ and as a result of his death for us and the finished work on the cross. We've looked at justification, being declared righteous. Wow, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. When we think of what we're deserving of, We're declared righteous because of Christ's death. Enjoying Christ's love, which he poured out to us with his life, not only in his ministry here on the earth, but going to the cross of Calvary, rising again, and now is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, enjoying his love and allowing that to compel you to be all that God wants you to be, to love him with the deepest heart, deepest of heart, and others around you. And then to have communion with Christ, to know that he's ever with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's with us all the time. This week when we step out into the world that God has placed us in, he's with us because he dwells in us. It's wonderful to know that. Number four that we want to look at this morning, enjoying eternal life. The way to heaven is now made manifest through the sufferings of Christ. Christ is now clearly revealed as crucified before our eyes. We do not need to exercise faith in Christ as being yet to come. 
but has already come. John chapter 3 and verse 16, we're reminded very familiar words to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And over in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but life right now doesn't always seem very eternal, does it? Uh, it, it, we're so wrapped up, we seem to be so wrapped up a lot of the time in the temporal things of our times and the things that take our attention in our world and we are often focused on those kinds of things. But think about it. Because Christ suffered and died and rose again, you and I can have eternal life and do have eternal life. It's amazing (laughs) when you think about it. It's amazing. So not only do we enjoy eternal life, but we also enjoy the assurance of eternal life. If you truly believe that Christ died for sinners, your unbelief would be at an end. This is a faithful saying and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul reminds Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you believe that Christ came over the infinite distance that was between himself and man, how easily will he come over the infinite distance between you and him? Christ's love is that which will bring our souls to see the necessity of his love. It will bring us to a felt sense of the preciousness of Christ who has perfected the work of our redemption. John 5, verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And some of my favorite words in the whole of the Bible are found in John chapter 10, verse 27 and 29. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Nothing, no nothing in this world can give us that kind of assurity and security in the eternal assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Not only for giving us eternal life, but giving us assurance of that, a confidence that we can have. And then finally, the the last benefit that we want to look at of Christ's death and our knowing him is the opportunity to enjoy holiness. Do you know that that's a possibility in our lives? (laughs) It really is this morning. Christ's death is an excellent way for a Christian to bring their soul to a God-given holy hatred of sin. We should not live unto ourselves, as we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, and he died for all, that those who should uh, live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and who raised them again. Raised again. 1 Peter 4 verses 1 and 2 reminds us that since Christ has suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest 
of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And then 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 give us some great keys to living a holy life. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Wow. Imagine that. Because of the death of Christ, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, we can participate in the divine nature. We can be holy. Not in and of ourselves, but because of what He's done for us. Wow. That's amazing when we think about it. That passage in 2 Peter chapter 1 is worthy of your of your discovery and exploration because Peter doesn't stop there. He gives us a whole list of things that can help us to add to our faith and our walk in holiness. And I, I hope you'll take a look at that. So six things this morning that I want us to kind of go away with. Enjoying justification, understanding that we're declared righteous even though we were deserving of an eternity in hell and separation from God, enjoying Christ's love and allowing that to be the thing that motivates you and compels you to live for Him, to love Him, and to love others around you. To enjoy communion with Christ, and we've enjoyed that around His table this morning, but also to go out into our world this week and commune with Christ, to be in His Word, to be walking with Him, to be praying, uh, to allow His life uh, to be reflected in the way that you live. Uh, communion with Him is so important for us. To enjoy eternal life. Go away from here today with the confidence that you are going into eternity with Christ if you know Him by faith. And know that you have assurance of that. There is a day coming when He's going to come again and receive us unto Himself and we'll be with Him. And then enjoy holiness. Did you know that holiness can be enjoyable? We live in a world that just wants us to be happy, right? And I'm not sure that that's God designed, God's design for our lives, but I do believe that happiness is a byproduct of holiness, something that we need to be a part of. We need to enjoy holiness. We need to be in God's Word, learning what pleases Him and what makes us holy. These are the benefits this morning that comprise a looking back as well as a looking forward uh, to all that we enjoy in knowing Christ. So let's allow these truths this morning and what we've experienced together this morning to shape our lives this week and to shape our lives in this new year uh, as we serve the Lord. I want us to end today by singing about the living hope that we have in Christ. 